Colossians, the book of Colossians in the New Testament, chapter 2. And uh, we're going to get started tonight on some things. We'll see how the Lord, I know where to start. I don't know where I'm going to end up for sure. But, uh, I, but the Lord's instructed me to teach on the anointing. Hallelujah. And we, we were singing about it, really, but, you know, about him coming to us. But it says Christ, Christ is revealed. See, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is the power that was on Jesus, and it's the same power on us. And that power, Christ, literally translated, means the anointed one and his anointing. You're not going to do much without the anointing, neither am I, neither, neither did Jesus. Neither did anybody in the Bible. You've got to be anointed, and, you got to, and we're going to talk tonight just about the anointing in a general way get into some things and then tomorrow we'll talk about how to maybe be more skillful and how to activate that anointing and then Friday, uh, Thursday night I think I'm going to talk about the healing anointing of course you can get healed tonight too because the anointing's here to help us or delivered or whatever but we need to talk about this anointing and we need that revealed to us once again I had a couple, uh, couple little comments here from Dr. Summerall about revival and things like that he said uh, you can identify the end of a wave or a change of season by when the leaders of the former wave go to heaven you know the, we, we've seen now in the last several years six or seven years of course uh, uh, Dr. Sumrall went home and then uh, Brother Hagen went home and now Oral Roberts has went home and probably not too many years from now I don't know I'm not predicting anything or anything but you know uh uh, T.L. Osborne will go home. He's close to 90, maybe 90 himself, maybe over 90. And these were men that led the last great move of God, as we know. And there's others, but most of them are gone. And there's, there's something happening in the earth. It's new. It's fresh. See, though we're going to talk about scriptures that we've maybe shared before, we've got to understand there's something new God's trying to do. Brother Hagin, he... he, he, he he prophesied, I think it was 203, I think it was in the Winter Bible Seminar, if I remember right, he got, on, he got to praying and speaking out, and he said, remember now your word and spirit people. He said, you know, we, we pride ourselves on being word people, but we're word and spirit people. And so we've got to let the Holy Ghost be the Holy Ghost in our life and let the Spirit of God help us. We believe in the Word. Of course, the Word's always first. But Jesus said, you do err not knowing the Scriptures, number one. And secondly, not knowing the power. So we've got to talk about the power of God. That's what we're talking about tonight. The anointing's the power of God that changes everything when it comes into manifestation. I don't think we've relied on it like we needed to, and that's why I'm teaching about it. He, he says this, Dr. Summerall, don't become judgmental. We're critical of the new wave because it'll be different than the former. See, that's the thing about us people, humans. We get rutted in what we're accustomed to. We get rutted in what we think we've seen and what we think we know. And even tonight, some of you, if you don't, you know, I, I believe we're moving in something. I believe for the all of you can, as you're going to have to make that switch on the inside. Well, I've heard Pastor talk about this before. No, you haven't. You haven't heard me. This is a new day. I'm talking about something we've talked about before. But it'll come out different and your ears will hear it different if you determine to get something that's fresh for you. Hallelujah. We've got to be careful we don't get critical and judgmental. Well, I've heard all this before. That shows me we don't know much when we think like that. And then he says, every revival funds itself. 
Talking about Dr. Summerall, these are all quotes from him. The only way to be a part of every move of God, and that's something I realized about him, and Dr. Dufresne told me that. He said, I noticed that him and Brother Hagin, but Dr. Summerall, he would get, get around Dr. Dufresne and said, tell me where the hot spots are. What do you mean by that? Where God was using young preachers and churches and where God was doing something in the earth. And he'd go and visit those young men and women of God. And he'd go into and, and he traveled all over the unit, all over the planet, you know, to get in in the move of God. And he says here, the only way to be a part of every move of God is to be sympathetic with it. You cannot be critical of a move of God and expect to be a part of it. Then he said this: get in the flow of what the Holy Ghost is doing, and what the Holy Ghost is doing will manifest through you. Talking about these are all quotes from Doctor Summerall. It's just interesting that what a man of God and and Doctor Dufresne said he just kept flowing. So did Brother Hagen. He just you know they were part of the healing revival, especially Brother Hagen in forty seven to fifty nine. Then they went on to the charismatic move, which was you know among a lot of the traditional churches, the Catholics, Episcopalians, Lutherans, Baptists, Methodists, things like that. Then the teaching wave in the seventies, and you know I got saved in seventy one. And uh, came into that, and then you know we we go for a season, and then things look like it just dried up, kind of just got stale. I, I I made a comment here on a, another piece of paper I was doing some this several years ago. Without the anointing or spirit power on your life, things become boring. Even church attendance, even coming to church, you just lose interest. You there's no passion about it. Well, you need to keep the Spirit alive in you. You need to keep the Spirit moving in you. Not that He's going to die, but you understand relating to Him appropriately and, and, and staying in faith about the anointing in your life and what is the anointing, how does it work, how do I cooperate with the anointing, what can I do, to, is there things I do that hinder the anointing? Because without the anointing, we're just, we're just doing a bunch of things and nothing's really being accomplished. Now, this verse here, I don't, I don't have everything out of this verse yet. I know that. Uh, that does, sounds like a very simple comment, but I've been meditating on it for five or six years or more. Uh, second, uh, Colossians 2, in verse 5, the latter part of this verse, I'll read the whole verse, but the latter part's what I'm interested in right now. Though I'm absent in the flesh, Paul wrote him, yet I'm with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. The steadfastness of your faith in Christ. What's he talking about? The steadfastness of their faith in that power, in that anointing. See, we've got to keep our faith activated in the power of God to do what only the power can do. How many are listening? You know the Corinthians says Christ is the power of God. He's not trying to be. He is the power of God. So when we read this, he's talking about us having steadfastness in our faith in that power, in the power of God or the anointing of God. That's what we're talking about. But in the Holy Ghost and His abilities. I said in the Holy Ghost. In, his, in fact, I like factoring in the anointing in our life. 
Start factoring in the anointing, whatever you're doing, factor it in. What I mean is thinking about it and saying, I believe in the power of God to work in this situation. I believe in the power of God to work in that situation. I believe in the power of God to work in my home and my family and my life and my marriage and my children and my finances and my job for my future and whatever else, you know, just whatever it would be. And here's the thing is, look at this. Again, verse 5, the steadfastness. He's not wavering. I'm going to be steadfast in faith in the power of God to change what needs to be changed. We had a prophetic word back in June in our son's meeting here, and I don't. Uh, it talked about it will nullify what needs to be nullified, and it will bring to you what needs to be brought to you, and so forth and so on in that prophecy. Talking about the power. Talking about the power of God. The power of God. I'm talking about the anointing tonight. I, I want to get a little deeper down in here in just a minute. But let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm laying a little foundation with you first. And some have heard, uh, heard me teach on it, I know, before. And others have taught on it before. And Wow. Pastor Keith, you knocked it out of the ballpark. Thank you, sir, for helping us. Yeah. Help me, too. Now, Paul writes this church, and he says in verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 4 and 5, we're centering up on verse 5, but we'll read 4 too. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Notice that not only his preaching, but just his, his speaking brought a demonstration of the Spirit. And the power. Now, I'm not being smart, but listen to me. Is your speaking bringing any manifestation of power or demonstration? If it's not, then something needs to be altered and changed. Now, you don't have to be me, and I'm not going to be you, and you can't be me. That's not what I'm saying. I'm walking in a fivefold ministry. But just as a believer, all of us should be able to speak and see the power of God manifested in what we say starting to come to pass. And changing things that need to be changed. And annulling things that need to be removed. And we're going to see more as we get a little deeper tonight. Just stay with me a little bit. Let me get this introduced. And then he says that your faith, verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Again, that just keeps bringing me back to people getting having faith in all kinds of people to put them over. Listen, you know, when I was a young preacher, I didn't know how to, you know, all I knew is I loved Jesus. And I didn't know him that well, but I mean, I, I fell in love with him, and he loved me, and he kept working with me, but I didn't have anybody to help promote me but him. And I've been down to zero five times in my life where I gave away or, did, you know, moved away, left a situation at the Lord's bidding and had nothing to stand on but faith, nothing. And I tell you, I'm shocked sometimes about the way that the mentality of the church is anymore and what they, they, they've got to have to have faith. I don't know, Pastor and I, we grew up the hard way maybe, but we grew up the right way. We believed God for everything we've got. I'm not bragging, but that's just the way it was. Nobody did this and did that, and, and we're going to promote and bless, and now my life's a little different now. These are my harvest years. God told me when I turned 60 and started into my harvest years and things would be a lot different, a lot more easier and different for me, and they're starting to be that way. But I'm still a faith man. I know how to use my faith. Do you? Faith in that power, that that power's out there working for me. That power's out there working for me. 
The power's out there working for you. If you'll say it and you'll believe it, it'll start work. That anointing will bust some yokes off of you and, and remove heavy burdens off of you because you have faith in His power and His ability and what He can do, not what you can do or what some other human being can do for you. God uses other people. Don't misunderstand me. But my faith's not in other people. I mean, I love people, and I'll trust them the best I can, but I trust God more than you. I trust God more than any other human because I've had enough of them let me down, and I, He's never let me down. <laughs> now don't misunderstand me here. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's where my faith and your faith should be centered up in the power of of God. What could my life be like with the power of God operating in it? And and really let me be honest, it takes time to get over in that where you get the system working what I'm talking about too, where you begin to believe that what you say comes to pass and where you begin to believe that your father's out there working in your behalf. The Holy Ghost and the angels and different and when you say something, it begins to change things. Talking about this anointing this power, the power of God. Having faith, not in men, but in the power of God. In the power of God. In the power of God. God's power. I know we got, you know, we, we talk about, and praise God for it, technology moving ahead and all that. But, but, but we've got to move ahead spiritually and, and, and get into the fullness of what God has for us. You know, the Bible teaches that we can be babies in Christ, in that anointing. And, you know, I won't turn there, but Corinthians talks about that, where there's strife and division and, and factions and different things like that. Then he said, I wanted to speak to you, but I couldn't speak to you, but just babes in Christ. And then you go over to Ephesians, and it talks about that we ought to grow up into him in all things, even Christ. In other words, growing up in that anointing where that anointing is making some, we're, we're coming up on a different level in that anointing. And then it talks about coming into the fullness of the stature of Christ, the fullness of that power. Of course, the further you go, there's less margin for error. And each time we go, we've got to dedicate ourselves and consecrate ourselves to that level. See, here's another thing the world tries to get in the church. And sometimes I'm shocked by what some of you do. I'm shocked by the way some of you think. I'm shocked by what you have allowed happening. And I tell you, we've got to get back into faith in this power to take care of things for us. Hallelujah. Praise God. Get out of your head when it comes to, and get into your spirit and start believing for this anointing to make the difference. It'll make all the difference in the world. Hallelujah. Let, let me show you something here. I hadn't planned to do this, but I want to go back here to Exodus with me, chapter 30. I feel led to go back and talk about this a minute. I've been studying it this week and, and, and really for many weeks and meditating on it. And just coming across a lot of things that, you know, I can't cover everything in three nights, but we can cover the majority of what we need to. But Exodus 30, I'd like you to look back here with me. There's a verse. I don't have any notes on it right now, but I just got something here in my heart. Uh, Exodus 30, verse 32. Now, this is talking about the, the holy anointing oil. Now, you know, uh, we, we, uh, we can anoint somebody with oil, <clears throat> but the oil's not holy now. It's the faith that's holy. 
And what we're saying, though, there's some things in this passage I want you to see. Back in that day when they anointed them with oil, it was a type of the Holy Ghost coming on them. That's what I'm trying to say to you. And under that old covenant, only the prophets, priests, and kings were anointed. Not everybody. Just those three offices primarily. And then, and then, you know, they were anointed to fulfill the prophet role, the priest role, or the king's role, or all three in some cases, like David. He was all three of those. But here it says, when they're going to anoint the priesthood in different ones, Exodus 30, 32, Upon man's flesh shall it not be poured. Now that's kind of funny because they were going to pour it on somebody's flesh. What does he mean here? You can't put the anointing on people that are going to be fleshly. And it stick. And it maintained. In other words, we got to get rid of fleshly things in our life and put our foot to things and discipline ourselves. This is what I'm trying to say, so that we don't run off in the flesh all the time, run off doing things and and uh, participating in things that were things of darkness and so forth and so on. We got to stay tuned in on things. And then he says, "Neither shall you make any other like it. Don't make any other kind of compound like this because it's unique. After the composition of it, for it is holy." And look at this is what I wanted you to see. And it shall be holy unto you. It shall be holy unto you. Here, here's what I see. There's sometimes a lack of respect for that anointing. We talked about it the other day. You know, a guy came to the church, he had cancer. I don't know. I prayed for him. God healed him. He came back and told me the report, but then I haven't seen him since. I don't know that he ever put in an offering. I don't know. He's not a member of my church. He's not here helping in any form or fashion. I call that no respect. I don't care what you call it. I call it no respect. He doesn't have to honor me, but he needed to honor that anointing. You had sense, he'd do both. <laughs> but see, people don't esteem the anointing. It's like almost flippant in our culture today, even in our word of faith and so-called word of faith churches. I mean, I could give you names of great Bible schools in our country, and I preach for some of those preachers, and, and I go preach, and they act like we've never seen anything like that. I said, where were you? You went to so-and-so Bible school, the man of God that taught me a lot that I know and taught one of his sons, the man that I'm following. Where were you? Were you sleeping? And just no respect for the things of God to the level I'm talking about. This says here, it's got to be, it shall be holy unto you. We've got to put a higher value. This is what I'm trying to get over to you right now at this point of the message. A higher value on the anointing than we ever have. No, we're not talking about worshiping a person. We're talking about honoring the anointing. Honoring the anointing. I remember I prayed for a guy who was homosexual. I don't know how many times Dale and I fasted and prayed. Back in those days, I fasted a lot more. Uh, you know, I just learned it's better just bring my body under subjection and keep it there than just have big fasts and everything. But I've done all that. You know, I know people are impressed about stuff like that, unfortunately, you know. I've fasted 30 days before without eating. I've fasted 21 days. So what? But I'm saying to you, I ministered to him four, five, six, eight times, Dale and I, and cast the devil out of him, and he just kept going back into the filth. He just kept going back into the garbage he was into. And eventually, God aids and is dead. Left the planet. I'm not mad about it. I'm trying to say, see, there's no reverence. Here was a man that, that I, I labored to get him delivered. He didn't have any faith to get delivered. But he got delivered, but then he didn't follow through. There's no respect for 
that holy anointing that came on him that got the devil off of him and out of him. He had no respect to honor that in his life and do what I told him to do to stay free because I told him what he needed to do to stay free, and he didn't do that. Now, I'm talking to everybody. Don't get, all, don't get real silent on me, but just listen. We've got to have a greater respect for that anointing. It's a holy thing, and it's a precious thing. And without it, we can't do what, what, what we could do with it. We can't do that. We need that anointing and need it functioning in our life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're walking by faith, but we're also having faith in the power, faith in that anointing to do. Our brother Copeland said it this way. You know, he says that uh, uh, the anointing is the power of God coming on flesh to do the things flesh can't do. Hallelujah. Now, let's, let's, let's go to Isaiah here, chapter 10 a minute, and let's look at something over here. I know we've got a, several verses to look at, and I, and I don't apologize. We need to get in this again and look at it again and say, Father, help me to have steadfastness of faith in that anointing, in Christ, that power. I, I'm going to continue to use my faith in the power of God, that the power of God's working in me. And, I mean, I continue to do that. I mean, I'm not setting myself up like I know it all. I don't. I'm still learning. I'm still feeding on it. I'm still thinking about it. And I'm still using my faith to come up into a higher level. And we're starting to see more and more miracles. But not just miracles, but just everyday living. Walking in that anointing. Walking in the power. Using the power correctly. Being skillful with it. And learning to respect it. And even myself, I've had to repent lately, saying, Father, you know, I don't think I've respected it like I should have to the degree that I, I can see now. So forgive me. Just forgive me. See, you know, don't get under condemnation. I'm teaching little things that are strong tonight, but get a hold of what I'm saying and make the corrections. And, and the power of God will start surging. The power of God will start moving. The power of God will start flowing, flowing up out of you, or the power of God will start moving towards you. Hallelujah. We're talking about, now let's, let's talk, for, we're going to read this in a minute, but let's talk for just a second what the anointing is not. It, it's not good education. Now you could have a good education and be anointed, uh, you know, but it's not just good education. How many know what I'm saying? I'm telling you, G.E. Patterson, as far as TV preachers, he was one of my favorites. I mean, he could he just, he'd get to preaching and a singing and anointing could flow out of that TV. And, uh, and he was very articulate and things, but he, did, he was old-time Pentecost in a lot of ways, and I liked him. It, it's not recognition by an organization because you have your, your cards or your, your ordination or something else like that. It's not just good speaking. We believe we ought to do our best to speak well, but it's not just good speaking that puts us over. And, you know, sometimes I turn on the TV, and I've seen people on there, and, and this is Bishop so-and-so, and this is Apostolate so-and-so, Sister Doodad Head, and this is the Prophet so And I don't, they don't even make sense. Not even make sense to me, and I'm not that ignorant when it comes to the spiritual things of God. <laughs> it's not emotionalism or hype. You know, now here's a man that's a preacher. He, he's got a little different anointing than I do. You know, Pastor Keith, I'm talking. And he, I love to hear him preach because he feeds me, but he thrills me. I get involved with him when he preaches and gets under that preaching anointing, you know. I don't have that on my life very often. Occasionally I do. But, you know, I'm more just a little turned different a little bit. 
and, and I appreciate that. And it's not hype. It's not emotional. But I get emotional listening. But that's a different kind of thing than what I'm saying here. I'm talking about people that just are emotional and try to pull on your emotions. You know, I know that God can tell you to do some of these things, but these people sometimes on TV send $29.59. You know, I don't know. You know, I just think that ought to just be forgotten. Now, I know God could tell you something periodically, but it seems to me like a lot of people making up stuff. It's not being a professional preacher. It's not a natural ability. We're not, this is not the anointing. And it's not an external show. It's not just a show when we talk about the anointing. Let's, let's talk about what it is, and then I'm going to read out of Isaiah here in just a minute. But what is, what is the anointing then, Pastor? Well, it, it, it literally means from the Hebrew and the Greek, it means to satisfy, to overflow, to consecrate to an office. And I love this definition. One of the this is out of some different definitions. To make alive or to revive spiritually. That's what the anointing does. It makes people alive or revives them spiritually. It means to cause to burn more intensely. Or I like this too, to enter a uh, enter a stage or a, a a period of time of active growth and development. I remember when I got around Dr. Dufresne, that was one thing that just stood out to me, his promptness to obey the Spirit. His promptness to obey the Spirit. He might have a message that flies away, and he just takes it off the cuff and goes with it. And, and, and he was very sensitive and still is, and I appreciate that and value that about my spiritual father. Hallelujah. And I noticed that I began to get revived spiritually when I got around him. Still do. I mean, I called him up just a couple of weeks ago, and he said something to me on the phone. Maybe it's a couple of months ago now. I don't remember. And uh, he just said, you got the goods. Go ahead and obey God tonight, and it'll be great. I don't even remember what I was preaching on right now. But then he just encouraged me in about a minute and a half. See, because I esteem his words, and I, and I knew he was in the spirit when he was speaking. We got talking about something, then he just began to say, well, I got something to say. So I, I listened. Hallelujah talking about this anointing the power of God say the power of God see you can do anything with the power of God what I mean is anything could be changed with you have the power of God on your life anything now here we are in Isaiah 10 verse 27 this very familiar passage I know it in the literal context of the scripture if I could say it that way it was the Assyrians and the Israelis And there's a literal context, but there's a spiritual context here too. And it says in verse 27, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Notice that. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Could be a personal yoke, a, a limiter, a barrier. How about this? You, say, you know, you judge yourself here. I don't seem to have much of a praise life. Well, it seems like the enemy's got you yoked down then because he said it'd be around your neck. Well, I don't ever spend much time confessing the word. Well, see, something's around your neck. Let that anointing 
destroy that tonight. Let that anointing knock that off of you tonight. If you're sick, let the anointing permeate you and get healed. If you're in bondage, let the anointing come in and destroy that yoke, whatever it is. Sometimes it's personal yoke. Sometimes it's, it's a ministry yoke. Sometimes it's business yokes, whatever. But you were created to be free. Notice it says here, the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. I was reading that one, one time a few years back, and the Lord said, I have an anointing for every yoke. I have an anointing for every yoke. No matter what label they put on it, I've got an anointing to destroy that off of people. I've got a power that will take that and remove that and destroy that and annihilate that and take that away from them. Cause them to be free. Cause them to walk in their freedom. There's an anointing for every yoke. Hallelujah. You know, I, I, I have emotions, but I've learned to control them a lot better than I used to. I'm telling you, when I was a younger man, I mean, I was up and down and in and out and frustrated and, and high one day and down the next. And I'm not talking about high on a substance. I'm talking about serving God. And then I'd get discouraged over different things, people and different situations and all that. And I've just learned to weather all that and let the Lord put that anointing on me and destroy that off of my life. Now, I still have moments when my, my feelings would want to run one way, and I'd say, no, 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 you don't, no, you don't, no, you don't. No, no, I'm not going to allow that to carry me down that path. I know what's at the end of that, and I'll be concerned. I'll be confused. I'll be burdened down. And learning to discern correctly on those things. Now, I can pick up people in the Spirit and pray for them. That's a different kind of a burden, that God's allowing me to help give an answer to it. How many understand what I just said? But sometimes if you're not careful, see, you think, well, that's just you. Well, it may be you, but you that's not quite flowing in what God has for you. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. There's an anointing for every yoke. Now, you think about that just a minute. At whatever you're at in stage of life you're at right now, there's an anointing to destroy any barrier in your life or limitation. Well, Pastor, I just don't seem to be able to get it together. Quit saying that and start saying you can get it together. Well, I don't seem to be able to understand the Bible. Well, now quit saying that. Start saying you get revelation every time you open it and pray Ephesians 1 over yourself. I've taught you better than that. And then stay with it. Be diligent, consistent. Well, I don't have a very consistent prayer life. Well, why not? Who, how, who's going to give you one? God's not going to even give you one if you won't apply yourself to figure it out and start opening your mouth and learning from some of us who do know how to pray, how to pray, and how to pray correctly. Hallelujah. Just talking here a minute. See, sometimes we're backing up all the time, making excuses. We're not believing in the power of God. We're making excuses for our failures. <laughs> the anointing destroys the yoke. The anointing destroys that. It'll destroy things. It will change the way you think about life. It can change the way you function in life. It changes the way you respond to life. changes the way you think about your relationships with other people. You can change and be anything that God's created you to be. You can do that with God's help. And that's what I'm talking about. Receive His power and let that anointing start working in your life to destroy things that shouldn't be there and receive the things that should be there. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. Limitations, barriers. 
you know, I remember how, I remember, you know, I'm just being honest with you. I mean, just a year and a half ago, I was almost, well, probably about about 55 pounds, somewhere like that, heavier. And I lost all the way up to almost 80 pounds, actually. I figured it up correctly recently and realized I lost almost 80 pounds. But, you know, I tried to do that for four, five, six, eight, ten years, and I just got bigger and bigger and bigger and more frustrated and buying bigger clothes and bigger clothes and tired more and, and not able to and just dealing with things, couldn't carry the anointing like I was supposed to. And, you know, I, I, did, you know, I got frustrated. Are you listening? And I tried this and I tried that, and finally I, I, I started praying about it sincerely. I started praying about it. Now, you listen to yourself. What, are, what is it that you haven't prayed about sincerely? Because you say, well, that's just me. No, it's you with a yoke. That's what it is. It's you with a burden and a yoke that's not supposed to be on your life. I'm not talking just about weight here. I'm talking about a lot of other things. But see, God had a way to get me over into something. I started praying about it, and then the answer came, and I kind of made fun of it. I said something foolish I shouldn't have said, and then I got in the hotel room, got quiet, and the Lord rebuked me and said, I sent you an answer. Don't open your mouth next time until you consider what I'm going to say about that. He kind of rebuked me sternly about it. And so we started down that trail. And I'm not done with everything yet that God wants me to do or become, and not just physically, but spiritually, emotionally, mentally, the whole thing, financially. Is anybody listening? See, sometimes I think people know what I know. Sometimes I think people are doing what I do. Boy, I, I don't know. I guess I've been in a fog. I realize that's not the case at all. Some people don't know how to handle any kind of money. Even the little bit they got, they, they screw it up. God isn't first in their life in that area and not first in their life in the prayer time TV's first and, and movies are first and other things are first and your, your leisure time is first and other things like that I don't know I mean I'm not criticizing you can't do anything I'm just saying you know this is the thing that sets you free this is where I spend my time this is where I pay attention Listen to me. The power of God's available, but if you don't take it, it won't come to you, and it won't destroy any yokes, and you'll still be the same 10 years from now as you are right now tonight. We've got to get serious about this and disciplined about it. It's not a drudgery. It's a joy because that anointing is, is making me free. That anointing is destroying yokes. That anointing is destroying things that are detrimental to my health in every area. You can get over anything. You can accomplish anything. You can, you, you can conquer any kind of habit, any kind of sin, any kind of situation. Listen to me, it can change. Your whole destiny hinges on what you get out of what I'm saying tonight. I'm not mad at anybody. That's not, I'm not fussing at you. I'm trying to help you to see there's a power of God that's available. But you're going to have to take it and say, Father, show me how to have steadfastness of faith in your power and staying with it until the power eradicates that out of my life. Whew. Telling you, it'll do it too. It, it, even tonight, there's going to be a reviving spiritually of your inner man. And be a reviving, and, and you can begin to enter into an active stage of learning and growing. 
I mean, there's no excuse in our day for any of you. There, there's so many translations of Bible. Some I don't think are the best, but that doesn't matter. If you just read something that's Bible and read it constantly and read it consistently and begin to act on it, I mean, my God, there's no limits to you and me and all of us together. There is no limit. We're putting the own limits on ourselves. Hallelujah. Let's go to Luke chapter 4 here. Look at something here. This is about Jesus here. And it's about us too. Luke chapter 4. I'm getting into something here. I'm getting into something here. I'm, I got a little more to say tonight. Just hang on. We said we weren't going to be time conscious. And I asked Pastor Keith to have his liberty. So I'm glad he took it. I like that. I, it helped the service. It helped put something in us. You know, we're a seed and we're seeding for our future and all the things. And we're coming out and we're getting paid. Hey, praise God. It's the way God does things. Luke 4.18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. Notice that. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. You know that we need anointed people in every area of the church. I know we talk a lot because naturally, you know, as a man of God myself, I talk to the preachers about the anointings on their life and helping them. But there's a, the Bible says that they put oil on all the vessels of the tabernacle. They sprinkled oil on every vessel and every kind of thing that was used in the tabernacle. And God is still putting oil on all the people, that whatever fu- uh, function they have. He's anointing everybody that will be anointed. And if you'll take it, you can be anointed to do whatever you do. And it'll make the doing of what you do different than what you did before you were anointed. I need anointed people to watch the children. I need anointed people to do the ushering. I need anointed people to do the music. I need anointed people to do the sound. I need See, all of that. There's an anointing on all of us. Don't remove yourself out of that. I'm putting you inclusive in that because there's an anointing for every single one of us. And there's a coming up higher in that anointing as we learn what we're going to learn these next three days. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now that's anointing comes for service on us. There's anointing within us when we're born again. The Holy Ghost causes us to be new creatures. And it drives out spiritual death and puts eternal life in our spirit. And our spirit all of a sudden is reborn and becomes alive to God. But then there's anointing comes upon us for service to empower us to do what we're called to do. That's what I'm talking about tonight primarily. This anointing comes upon us. Notice it says here, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me. And then this gives Jesus' job description to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering a sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. See, all of these are job descriptions of what that anointing would do through Jesus. Do you know what you're called to do, and are you yielding to it? Because there's an anointing wanting to work in your life if you'll yield to it. It may not be to preach publicly like we're doing tonight, but it may be some other area where you're just anointed to do whatever you do. That anointing makes things lighter. It makes things easier. It makes things function. It makes things flow. Life wasn't created by God to be hard on us. 
But we've got to get a hold of that steadfastness of faith in Christ, in the power, and have faith in the power of God to change everything that needs changed in our life. Hallelujah. I thought it was interesting. I was meditating on this verse recently, and he said to set at liberty them that are bruised. And I got thinking, well, there's lots of meanings here perhaps, but bruises are tender. You got areas that when somebody pushes your buttons you're tender about? Husbands and wives and parents and children and pastors and sheep, and, you know, I push a button, you get tender about it. You get up a, a flare-up at me. Or somebody else says something. See, here, here's an, this, that anointing, that anointing still on Jesus, and now it's on his ministers to help us to be anointed and to be delivered from things that are bruised where we're ultra-sensitive about everything. Talking to me, too. I'm talking to all of us here. You ever get your feelings hurt? Of course I do. But I learned to just turn loose of it quick. Quicker than I used to. I used to maul it around then spit it back on some people sometimes. I know you'd never do that. You'd never fess you did it anyway. No, that's part of growing up. Say, Pastor, you don't understand. Yeah, I understand a lot more than you think I do. Don't play me for a sucker here. I know a lot more than I'm telling you. And we got to change some things with this anointing. That's what I'm trying to get over to us. We've got to change some things with this anointing. We've got to let the anointing get in our life and start permeating all these things that Jesus mentioned and some that he's not mentioning say per se here. Hallelujah. Let's go to Isaiah 61. That's where he quotes from. Let's go back and look at the original uh, verse of Scripture here where he's pulling that out of. Isaiah and 61, we'll start in verse 1 here. I've got a couple more things to say to you that will help you. Talking about this anointing. The power of God to destroy the yokes and undo heavy burdens. Hallelujah. You know, it takes time to get into some things. It just takes time. I've got to slow down because I'm feeling like I'm pushing now a little bit too fast, trying to get into this further than I should right now. Uh, you know, cover too much maybe. But I'm talking to you about this anointing, the importance of it. And that we treat it with high esteem. Treat it with high esteem. Man, I tell you, I, 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 just, I, I, I just thank God for the anointing in my life and what it's done for me and what it's delivered me out of time and time again. And what it's available to do even now and for the rest of my life. Hallelujah. Just, it's just amazing. Here, here, here let's, let's read it. let me read this to you. Isaiah 61, verse 1 and following. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is what Jesus was quoting. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek or the humble. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. See, if you've been brokenhearted over something, let God heal you. Let God deliver you. Let God pour in the oil and the wine. Yeah, but you don't understand how I got hurt. No, I maybe I don't, but I understand how you can be healed. He heals the brokenhearted. You don't get that fixed. You don't get that taken care of. You're going to limp around the rest of your life. I'm talking to all of you right now. You're going to limp around the rest of your life and make excuses. 
And I'm talking to me and you and all of us. See, what, well, I'm this kind of personality. Well, so am I, but I can't just say I'm that kind of personality and then not be, let the Lord correct me. I can't do that. i got to let the Lord help me to be the person I'm created by Him to be. Not justify something and then try to just cover it up and act like that don't matter. I'm talking about the power of God tonight. I know you're listening. You're, you're quiet, but that's all right. Listen, He wants to bind up areas that you've been broken in. Yeah, but you don't understand how they hurt me. It, that's, that's not important right now. Important is for you to get delivered from that hurt <laughs> before you make the same mistake the next time. Are you listening? You know, we got to start obeying God. Well, I am, Pastor. Well, I, 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 I pray that you are, but I know that sometimes he says things to me that's hard to take, but i got to take it if I'm going to be obedient. He said to me this last year, I don't want you to go out of the country. Well, I already, I already put $1,000 on a deposit to go somewhere. And I called that ministry. Of course, they gave it back. They were generous. I said, I can't go. The Lord told me, and he didn't tell me why. He didn't give me an explanation. He just said, don't do it. So I'm being obedient. And, you know, I didn't like that at first. And then five, six, seven, eight years ago, I've told this, I don't know how many times I'm going to keep telling it. God said, now i got some preachers you don't know. I want you to help. And, I, and, you know, would you do that? And I said, well, can't, and you heard me say it. I said, well, Lord, can't you find somebody else? And then I started pointing out what I was doing. You know, not to brag, but just say, well, you got me writing books. You got me pastoring this church. You got me traveling right now. You got me doing my mission trips. You got me going with doctor on his mission trip. And I was thrilled about all of that, but I don't know how I can add in anything else. And then he answered me, I'm not, I, uh, when I said, couldn't you get somebody else? I said, I'm not talking to somebody else. I'm talking to you, Michael. And then he got, then, you know, I, I wasn't getting anywhere. And he finally said, it's either that or else. I said, well, I don't want any else, so I'll obey. I'd be glad to do that. Now, it wasn't that I didn't want to go, but I couldn't in my mind figure out how I could do that. Are you listening? <laughs> I hope I'm helping you. I don't know, you know. There's nothing thrilling about being away from my wife or my kids or this church or my own bed. There's nothing thrilling about that. Thank God I don't have to normally stay in flea bag hotels anymore, but they all look alike on the inside. There's four walls, a bed and a bathroom and a sink and whatever, and that's just the same thing wherever. No, oh, I'm appreciative, but I mean, you know, let's get real about it here. But the anointing, when I said yes to him, I could see how he started orchestrating some things. He didn't tell me everything up front that he'd later tell me because I was obedient at that step, not knowing how in the world. Then two or three years later, he said, I'm going to get you an airplane. Then, it, you know, that choked me. How in the world could I do that? I know nothing about airplanes. But he took and began to do that. Now, I'm not saying that to brag on me. I'm saying that for your life. What about your life? You're not going to do that, most of you, what I'm saying I'm doing. That's not your call. Not even called to, you know, be a pastor in a local church. But whatever you're called to do. Wonder what God's asked you to do that you said no to. 
How many years are you going to turn him down? How many times is he going to have to talk to you before you're going to listen to him and obey him and let the power of God change you to do what he asked you to do? People in this church, some of you don't even tithe and been with me 10 years. I don't get it. I'm not, I don't need your measly money. You need the tithe because of what it will do for you. And you can make all the excuses you want, but you ain't got any. Because I got teenagers in this church that tithe, and 12-year-olds and 5-year-olds. and There's no excuse for that. How many times is God going to have to deal with you about that? See, see, it's not about the money. It's about issues. It's about obedience and believing, having steadfastness. You don't have any faith in the power. That's why you won't do it. <laughs> You just up in your head, and your head isn't getting you nowhere. You ever figure that out? Well, Pastor Jacobs, my God, he's preached on healing for the last 30 years and 25 in this church, and some of you still have a hard time getting healed. Something's not right, and it's on your side. You need to figure it out. You need to have some faith. In God's power. You need to have some faith in God's Word. You need to have some faith in the Holy Ghost. I'm just talking here. Not mad at anybody. Just talking about issues. See, obedience. He gives the Holy Ghost to those who obey Him. Some of you don't come consistently. Why not? I'm here every time the bell rings when I'm on schedule to be here unless I'm out preaching somewhere else. we got to get consistent. See, all these things could be remedied with the power of God. This is what I'm trying to show you. The power of God would remove that yoke, would remove that heavy burden. Now, if you think I'm just at talking this to get your money or get you to be a better disciple, well, now I am talking it to get you to be a better disciple because... How in the world would you get to be a better disciple unless the power of God was operating? It's changing everything. No, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm talking to you. I want everybody to achieve greatness in God. And you don't have to be a pastor to achieve that. There's a lot of pastors that aren't achieving that, I'm sure, because they're not obedient probably. I don't know. I'm not judging them. I'm just saying I just got to take care of my own backyard. But there's success available for every believer to a degree I can't even express, express it right now because of this anointing and having faith in the power. I'm talking to me too tonight. I'm talking to all of us. Hallelujah. Let's, let's read on here. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. We don't have to be bound by anything because the prison doors are open when we have the power on us. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all that mourn. Here it is. And to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise. For the spirit of heaviness that we might be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. That he might be glorified. Hallelujah. He's wanting to be glorified in our life in a greater way than we've ever known. You still here? Now, let's talk for just a minute or two. I think I can take another few minutes here with you, and I think it will help us here. First of all, though, let's go to 2 Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians with me. 2 Corinthians. 
chapter chapter 4, and I want to read something there, and then if you would, we're going to go to Proverbs 21. Well, let's go to 2 Corinthians first of all, chapter 4, verse 7, and, uh, and let's look at what this has to say here to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. We're talking about the power of God, having faith in the anointing, faith in the power. But we have this treasure. We have, that's the believers, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Let me go on and read a little bit here, verse 8. Look at this. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Boy, I felt like that this year. Troubled on every side, but didn't, I, you know, distress tried to get a hold of me, but then I got turned it around. I told about that. You remember me telling? Oh, my goodness, just seemed like everything. But then it says, no, we're not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but we're not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Hey, praise God. But what I want you to see is we have a treasure in an earthen vessel. That means inside of us. That the excellency of the power, that's the treasure, may be of God, not of us. I have power in me. You have power in you. It's not of you. It's of God. Say, I have power in me that is of God. See, it comes from Him and it functions from Him to us. And then let's go back here to Proverbs 21 a minute and look at something here. 21.20, I think is the right verse. Proverbs 21.20. Some of you have heard some of this before. We've taught on it, but it, it bears repeating. We're talking about what? The anointing and how to learn to be skillful with, us and, with it and how to not do things that impair it. And I want to talk about some people in the Bible in just a minute here. But look at this, Proverbs 21, 20. There is treasure to be desired. Oh, my. There is treasure to be desired in oil, which is a type of the anointing, in the dwelling of the wise. But a foolish man spins it up. How many are listening? So you have oil in you, and it is something desirable that God's put in you. And something desirable for God, but something desirable for the body of Christ that He wants to use you in, whatever that may be. But if we're not wise, we'll use that up. And I'm thinking about three different people. We've taught some of this before. First of all, we got uh, uh, King Saul in the Old Testament. You remember King Saul? And, and, and it said that, you know, the people were singing, you know, Saul slew a thousand, David slew ten thousand. And all of a sudden, Saul became jealous over him. You remember that? And, uh, and, and he began to turn against David, and then he began to try to kill David. And it ended up that he ended up being killed himself. Actually, he committed suicide. Fell on his own sword because the enemy had had him surrounded and he knew they were going to torture him. He asked his armor bearer, you know, run me, thrust me through with a spear or something. He said, I can't do that. So he just fell on his own sword. But the Bible says in Samuel that he died as one that had never been anointed with oil. Here was a man greatly anointed, greatly used initially. He, the Bible says when he became king, he was humble in his own eyes. He was small in his own eyes, but he lost humility. And when somebody else was raised up around him that seemed to have a greater anointing, a stronger anointing, a little bit different than him, but something, he became jealous. And I'm saying to all of you, listen to me. Don't be jealous of other people. I think, I think it was Brother Hagin said this, leave all men in the hands of God. 
Listen, there's always going to be somebody more greatly anointed than you and me. And we need to appreciate it and value that, not be jealous of it and critical of it. Are you listening to me? I mean, you know, I'm all, you guys can almost make me want to be intimidated to use certain people as illustrations because you say, well, he never brings me up in that light. I know how you think. Well, he, he always talks about so-and-so and so-and-so. Well, I mean, I talk about all of you, but, I mean, some things just come out sometimes, and I'm not trying to make everybody else feel bad. You ought to be thrilled we got somebody we could say something good about. And strive maybe to be like that person, you know, instead of being jealous and acting like you hate them. Just talking here, you know, and I got, you know, I'm just one son of many of Dr. Dufresne's, and I know my place. I'm not trying to vie for somebody else's attention and usurp anything else. If I'm in a meeting, I'm sitting on the third row, I don't feel criticized or I don't feel put down. Or if I come in, I'm on the back. That's not an issue for me. You know what I'm saying? And when I was younger and less mature, maybe that would try to affect my mind or something. But I don't think like that. I just want to be around my man of God. I just want to be a help to my man of God wherever I sit in the meeting. And what if he does minister to other people and they look like they got all the good words and I get rebuked? Be thankful you got rebuked. Could have saved your life. Nobody's after you. The Holy Ghost is endeavoring to talk to all of us tonight about having reverence towards this anointing. We've got to have reverence and show reverence towards the things of God. So here's one of the things where somebody's highly anointed and yet ends up losing out in the anointing totally because of jealousy. Quit being jealous. You know, just quit being jealous. Don't, don't, just don't compare all the time everything to everybody. I, I, you know, that did get you in trouble. And wrong motives and things and different things like that. Hallelujah. Anybody listen to me? And then we got Samson. He was one of the judges. And, and uh, uh, you know, it, it talks about him being carnal. You know, he, always, he, he wanted to hang out with worldly women. He was down at the club, the go-go place, the topless place or whatever. Let's get real. And he was in the wrong place looking for the wrong kind of person. And I'm sure his Jewish mom and dad said, just find you a good Jewish girl. <laughs> they begged him, I'm sure. But he just wasn't going to have it. He's just going to go on and destruct. And, and, you know, carnality means that we put a, a fleshly, bodily appetites above the Word of God and the things of God. Carnality. doesn't have to be sexual all the time, but just, you know, it says, what does it say about Esau? He sold his birthright for one meal. For food. You know, we got to learn to take authority over some things or they'll start taking authority over us. And then Moses, on the other side of that, he refused to be called a son of Moses and separated himself when he could have had the pleasures of that. He just went off and did what God told him to do anyway. Looked like he just walked off into oblivion out in the middle of the desert. But he came back 40 years and became the deliverer, didn't he? He sure did. 
You see, you see what I'm saying here. I'm talking about people that were highly, you know, you don't, I don't know any, I don't know any, I don't know any Delta Force guy that could take on 400 men with the jawbone of a donkey and kill them all. I don't care how bad he thinks he is. I don't know anybody that bad. You know why? Because he was anointed. It says he took the gates off the city. You're thinking of your gate and your little old fence in your backyard. We're talking a gate as tall as this roof. Two big old things maybe as wide as this room. And he just jerked them off their hinges and took them out and planted them somewhere. Who does that? I mean, even the raw people. You know, World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> Not that I watch that, but I've seen those guys. They look pretty big. But I don't think they're doing that even with all their muscles. Yeah. Because, see, he was highly anointed, but he kept going after worldly things. That's what I want to get to you. Listen to me. If you want the anointing, you're going to have to turn loose the worldly things. It disturbed me if Pastor Keith calls me, and instead of telling me how he got a revelation like he just preached to us, he's telling me about a movie he saw two nights ago. That would bother me. And he wouldn't do that but about once or twice, and I would say something to him. Because he's my son. I say, you know, it seemed like all you ever talk about is the latest movie you've seen. I'd be concerned if that's the main thing coming out of his mouth when we have time to fellowship. He doesn't do that. I'm trying to point something out because the rest of you are so touchy, I'll have to use him. There's nothing wrong with going to a good movie as long as it's appropriate, it's clean, different things like that. It's hard to find something, but still yet... Hard to find, but if that's the first thing out of your mouth all the time and you're supposed to be a preacher, then, then there's concern for, for that kind of talking. Or somebody says something to me that doesn't seem quite appropriate. I, I might, you know, if they're a son or a daughter, I say, you know, that doesn't sound right. You sound like you're getting off here on something, getting off, off course, getting off the path you should be on. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying it out of observation. But what we're saying here is carnality begins to cause a person to lose out on that anointing. I know I heard somebody say, well, he killed more in his death than he did in his life. Yeah, but he died way too young, and he died blind. What good was that? He was anointed to be a judge of Israel and to lead the people in the right way, and he kept going back into the world trying to help you to see something here. You, you and I and everybody else, you might get away with some things for a season. For a season, but sometimes grace runs out down through there somewhere, and judgment has to come. And we need to be cautious. We, we need to repent if that's the case, if there's flesh things in our life, whatever kind of flesh things. It doesn't have to be all just a bad movie and different things. What about strife? What about... Uh, emulations, which means you want to be like somebody else, keeping up with the Joneses. A lot of things could enter into what I'm talking about. Is this making any sense? I'm trying to help us and get to the end here. I'm just about done. Hang on a minute here. And then we got Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve. I just That's hard to imagine. But he became greedy. He became covetous. And the covet means to wish for what belongs to another, having a craving for possessions. Jesus said your life doesn't consist in the abundance of the things you have. Now, I believe in prosperity. You know that. And I teach that. And God wants you to have things, and he wants you to have nice things. He just wants to know that things don't have you. 
And he wants you to put him first in your obedience and in your giving. And as long as you've done that and done what God's told you to do, I'm, I'm sure he doesn't mind you having things. He just doesn't want that ever to become an issue for you. Where we're covetous and greedy and lustful of things, of material possessions and things like that. And, and that here we go again. All, you know all three of these guys killed themselves? And they all died as if they weren't anointed because they weren't by then. There might have been a spurt of something come back on Samson because his hair grew out. And that seemed to be a, a, a thing in his life about his hair grew as a Nazarite. You know, then the anointing came. But still, he had his eyes poked out. He's in a heathen temple. And even though he pulled down the pillars on everybody, he also took his own life in doing that. So he there's no trophy for that. Trying to help us here. Let me ask you something. You are never anointed to do nothing. Let me ask you something. What are you anointed to do, and are you willing to do what God wants you to do? And are you thirsty to do what God wants you to do? Let's look at it. Let's look at Isaiah 44. We're close by here. Isaiah 44. I'm just about through. Did you get anything tonight? You say, well, I, I came to be edified. I'm not sure I have. Yes, you have. I've tried to help you. we got to learn to be what we're esteeming that anointing as holy we might say it this way there's a price to pay to be anointed and I'd like to add this and even a greater price to pay to stay anointed because once you're anointed it would seem like, praise God, this is happening, that's how. But, you know, if you're not careful, you can get in your head. You could begin to think more of yourself than you ought. Or you could begin to think something. You could just do anything. and what. No, that's dangerous. We're talking about being anointed and staying anointed. And staying in the power of God. I never will forget. I don't know of any. It just seemed, it just struck my spirit and my wife too. We watched Oral Roberts a while back. wasn't too far back, maybe a year or two. He was with Benny Hinn. And I don't know what Benny Hinn even said right then, but Benny Hinn said something, and Oral just went, Oh, my goodness, that say that again. And he acted like he was a Bible school student. And he was 89 or 90 years old and never heard it before. And he's listening to a young whippersnapper compared to him. Now, you know Benny Hinn, I mean, he's a worldwide evangelist too, but you understand what I'm saying. And I'd seen him with other people act like that. And how does a man, he gets way up into his 90s and still defers to other preachers and still acts like other preachers have a value to share with him, things that I'm sure he already knows or at least knows some about what they're saying. I just heard on TBN the other night, I don't know if you saw it, I... I watched uh, Benny Hinn was on there and uh, uh, Paul Crouch and his family. But it was touching. He said, that he said, I guess I'm going to tell that on you, Benny, that Benny gave Oral Roberts. He had no retirement. I don't get it. I mean, you know, man, you seem like you'd raise up a university. There's never been any university quite like that on the planet that I'm aware of, like Oral's had. In its heyday, I'm not sure what it is today, but regardless. 
but and, and, and had a worldwide ministry and did all that he did, and everybody made fun of him because he said something good's going to happen to you, and he believed in healing and deliverance and had those tent meetings, traveled all over the country. One of the first preachers in, that I know in modern history that had an airplane, they criticized him over that. Got on TV, they criticized him over that. Got on said, something good is going to happen to you. And yet he got to be an older man, an elderly man, and he had no retirement. And Benny Hinn provided him a salary, put him on his payroll, and made sure he had a check every week or every month or however they worked that out. I don't know. But I'm just thinking, that just seems pathetic to me. I'm grateful that he would do that, but pathetic that out of all the preachers, of course, I might not know everything. Brother Hagen is an elder, older man, too. They said that he would go out and hold meetings to help Ramus stay afloat. And it's none of my business, but I'm going to tell you what I think. And a lot of people say Brother Hagen was my spiritual father. I, I doubt very seriously that any, very few of them tithed. I know Pastor Webb did because I was in the meeting when he pointed to Pastor Webb and said, this preacher right here gives more money to me than any other person on the planet. I heard Brother Hagen say that personally. I thought, man. He's got some integrity. Pastor Webb. Pastor Scott Webb. All the people who said, well, I went to Raymer. I'm a, I, I'm, Brother Hagin's my spiritual father. And then never give an offering or never give a tithe to him or whatever. I could go a long way on this with the money thing. See, somehow that just sets crooked with me. When a man give his life to God and to, and to sow into all the younger preachers for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, and none of the younger ones looking to take care of him when he got elderly, or maybe a few of them, I don't know, but just don't seem right to me. I don't care how you slice it or dice it, and I don't know everything, but I know what Dr. Dufresne said before about that, and Pastor Webb, too, and different things. See, see, what, what am I saying? No value on the anointing. Guy saw all the word that Brother Hagin sowed and demonstration and example to the younger crowd and people all around this planet and then get older and then this. That's just not right. It's just not right. Hallelujah. Just talking to you about some things tonight. We're in Isaiah 44. I'm going to read this one verse, verse 3. I will pour water... Upon him that's thirsty, I will pour water, and water is a type of the Holy Ghost. You probably know that, don't you? Because on the last day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, If any man thirsty, let him come unto me and drink, and out of his belly, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So this he spake of the Spirit. Hallelujah. So there's, there's availability tonight for the anointing to come on you if you're thirsty. That's my point. If you're thirsty. Are you still here? Faith in the power. Gentlemen, you put that back up on the platform for me. Praise the Lord. Where's Brother Jared? Is he here or is he still? Come on over here, brother. Your daughter, right? Come on up here with me a minute. You can all stand up. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lay hands on this cloth and I thank you for the anointing for lungs and breathing situations. And I pray for that anointing to go into this cloth now and when it's laid on Jayla that every symptom will leave her body. In the name of Jesus, we pray. 
and we thank you for it. Why don't you just take a little anointing too while you're up here. And Miss Carrie, where are you at? Are you still over here somewhere? Come on up. Father, we thank you for the anointing that destroys the yoke of sickness and disease and infirmities. And in the name of Jesus, I curse that and command that to wither in your body and be no more. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to come tonight if you're thirsty for a fresh anointing. If anything we said would, would make sense to you and you just say, Father, I want to be in on what you're doing right now. Hallelujah. We're going to start over here at this end, ushers. Over at this end, please. Father, we thank you for freshness of your spirit tonight. And before I pray for anybody else, let's just, well, Father, I just pray out loud in behalf of these that are here and myself, we're stepping into something new. We're stepping into something fresh. And we make a new consecration to you, Father, that we're going to protect that anointing. We're going to honor that anointing in a stronger way than we ever have. And we ask the Holy Spirit to help us. We repent over letting things get in our life that's crowded things out. We repent for not paying better attention, if that's the case. We repent if anything Pastor Jacobs has said by the Holy Ghost has pierced our heart tonight. We repent and begin to straighten that out with you right now and commit to be obedient to you right now because you're dealing with us, Father. How many would raise their hand and say, God, you've dealt with me about something tonight? I'm raising mine too. I'm just talking to you. I just want to see. Yeah, that's, good. that's a good uh, response. And, Father, we repent of that, whatever that was or several that's. Or if it was just minor or a major infraction, whatever it was, we repent and turn from it and change. And we're going to honor that anointing. It's going to be holy unto us like never before so that we can fulfill our course Walk in the path you have for us. Fulfill our divine destinies. Accomplish great things for you. And do what you've called us to do in Jesus' name. So we release that anointing. There it is, right there. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for the anointing tonight. Destroys the yoke and undoes heavy burdens. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hey, praise the Lord. Preaching and ministering. It's going to come. It's going to come to you, Caleb. It's going to come to you. That anointing is going to help you. I know God spoke to you about it, hadn't he? And he's going to help you get to the place where you need to be. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. 